Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hello there. Welcome back to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys episode. Sam Lubman here with Joe, the Butcher Boy Chassis. This is episode 58 of the podcast. 58, Shasky. Uh, off the top of your head, do you know who hit the 58th splash hit by a giant at Oracle Park? No. If I gave you the year, would you want to? I'll give you the year you it's want to try and take a stab at it. This was in 2011 when the 58th splash hit was was hit by Aubrey the giant. Close. It was actually Pablo Sandoval hit the oh, 58th wow. uh, splash oh, wow. hit. That was on August 31st, 2011, part of a 4-0 Giants win over the Cubs. It was actually part of a back-to-back set. Jeff Keppinger went deep right before oh, that. When's the last time you heard Jeff Keppinger's name in a conversation? It's uh, been but yeah, a minute. He hit that off of uh, Rodrigo Lopez. Madison Bumgarner was on the mound that night. He went eight innings, allowed two hits, and struck out 11. Like, wow. my God, he just tore up the Cubs that night. Jeff Samarja pitched that night for the Cubs. Uh, he pitched an inning in third and relief for the Cubs that day. But, yeah, we, the reason we are leading off with talking about the 58th splash hit, not because it's the 58th episode, but because on Friday night, Lamont Wade Jr. hit the 100th splash hit by a giant in the history of Oracle Park. And uh, it was it was kind of a cool moment to be able to be there and witness. They, you know, they had a little bit of pomp and circumstance on it. They had some streamers pop out in between innings. And they played a montage of, of all the past splash hit home runs. Uh, Shasky, I don't know if you got a chance to watch Lamont hit that home run at all. It was, it was a cool moment, though, wasn't it? No, it really was. And you look at who's hit, how many home runs, and obviously Bonds is at the top of the list because they only count giant splash hits. It can't hit, you know, uh, it can't bounce in. It has to go in on a fly. There have been some amazing ones. I mean, there really have been. Uh, Lamont Wade doing it. I thought it was poetic against the team that he was on originally. I thought it was really cool. It was a cool moment for him, and I think it's pretty cool. And I think that part of the beauty of AT&T Park, you're probably too young. I remember Barry Bond standing at home plate when they airlifted it, home plate from Candlestick over to AT&T, the site, and Bonds was hitting balls into the bay, and that was supposed to be a novelty. And I think we thought it would happen more often. <laughs> I, think I remember that too. The the belief was that, yeah, we're going to see a lot of these things. Like yeah. they're going to rack up so many of these. And yet here we are, you know, in the 24th uh, year of the ballpark, we finally get to number 100. And there are some long gaps too. remember in 2015, they went all year without a splash hit. But it should be like, to me, like, Part of the beauty of the ballpark and baseball is it's difficult, you know, three out yeah, of 10 is more special. Like, yeah, three out of 10, you're Willie Mays. So if yeah. everyone's hitting it into the water, is it special? No, yeah. 
Yeah, it kind of does add a little bit like it's a little bit more of a hallowed achievement. You know, you look exactly. at a PNC Park in Pittsburgh. They have a similar situation where, you know, out beyond right field, you can hit into the Allegheny River. Yes. Guys hit into there all the time. They don't even keep track of those home runs out oh, there. Oh, really? But there is something special about, you know, finally seeing 100. There's something really cool about it. Uh, Lamont Wade, he was talking after the game about, you know, he, he was honored to kind of be, you know, up there with Bonds and really be mentioned with those guys. Um, then he talked about who gets the ball. And I want to play. This is what he said about who should get the ball uh, that he hit. I don't know who it goes to, but I, I think personally it should go to me. Uh, um, I would like to keep it. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to have discussions and negotiations about that. But uh, I think I think it should be mine. So not sure her who, but personally, I believe it should be me, which, you know what, I agree with it. I do hope Lamont Wade Jr. does get to keep the ball. But he did say it's going to be going to his mom. That's the plan. So well, mom will be ending up with the ball there. So congratulations to Lamont Wade Jr. on splash it number 100. A very cool moment for for this organization and for the fan base. Um, do, you another kind- to, do you think we get to 200 by 2040? Well, I, ugh, depends. I mean, that had Got to find some more lefty power there yeah. to get that going. <laughs> it depends because these 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 dry spells they just kind of come out of nowhere, yes. and so it'll be interesting. It's it's tough. I mean, how long? Imagine Barry Bonds never played for the Giants. I mean, how long would it have taken for them to? Because man, he has thirty five of those things. Yeah, yeah. It was um, one last quick little uh, splash hit nugget. Do you remember who the first non Barry Bonds hitter to get a splash hit was? Oh, it was the guy for the Dodgers in the opening day. Oh, I meant uh, for, oh, the the Giants, for, the, for the Giants. Yeah, for the Giants. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um. Non Ray Durham, close. It was actually Felipe Crespo. Felipe Crespo, I think yeah. number thirty. The only reason I remember that is because I was there for that game. That's one of those moments where it's like I remember exactly where I was standing when I watched it happen because it was the first time they had to change, you know, two numbers on the sign, yes. and the sign broke. So that is great. That's great. <laughs> and, um, now talk about moving on from splash hits to some news that kind of leaked out a little. I don't know if leaked is the right word, but uh, this morning on MLB Network Radio. Jim Bowden tweeted out that Giants president and uh, general manager Farhan Zaidi says that that he envisions this team getting aggressive at the trade deadline. So it's the first we've really kind of heard from Farhan in terms of kind of what the plan is for what the rest of the season will go. Um, I know definitely seeing him around the ballpark, he kind of seems to have a little bit more. His head's a little bit held higher this year, I think, than it was last year. I think he's feeling very good about himself right now. Shasky, I'm kind of curious. When you heard him say, we want to be aggressive at the deadline, what's the first thing that went through your mind? Well, you know, the first thing that went through my mind is this is a good thing, right? That's number one. This is not a bad thing. That means they're in a good position. The National League has a lot of teams kind of jumbled in. So everybody's in the mix. Um, There's layers to this conversation. Number one, we're not sacrificing the future for the now. Like, we've been waiting so long. I don't think the organization is doing that. But they should be shopping for a frontline starter. They absolutely need a frontline starter under team control. I do think there's a log jam in the outfield. I do think they have some pieces that other teams might want, uh, even if it's other teams that are in contention. Like, making a trade at the deadline doesn't necessarily mean we're all in for this year right now. It could be mm-hmm. a, a deal that, like, for example, when they brought in Hunter Pence, yes, they were in for that year right then and there, but also because he had team control for another year after that. So can you get a guy like that who's a pitcher, a bullpen arm, someone like that? Like, I think they need to get creative and, and have some fun here. You heard Will Flores talk about over the weekend. You know, he hasn't played a whole lot. He's been sitting on the bench. I mean, could he be a guy 
that another team covets combined with someone of these other outfielders to go get you a reliever, considering that it feels like the outfield is stocked now with players with, with Matos tearing it up in the triple a, like, I don't know. I, I think instantly people think you're trading away young people. And I don't believe that to be the case right now. Yeah. I think there's, there's almost kind of two directions. I think you can maybe take with this one is I think a more moderate approach, which what I can remind is that the 2009 trade de- trade deadline, the Giants brought in Freddie Sanchez. I think you know, that was the Tim Alderson trade. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, that was, I was pretty excited about that trade because I know Sanchez, he was, he had just won the batting title yep. a couple of years earlier, but like it wasn't a ground shaking trade. No. It wasn't a trade that blew up the, uh, that, that blew up the hot stove. But I'll be, it did not help them. It didn't help the Giants win much more that year. How key was Freddie Sanchez in that yeah. 2010 World Series run, though? It was incredible. I mean, so you can make, you know, aggressive can be a trade that maybe is good for this year, but you're more so, yeah, like we said, what does it do for the years beyond that? Kind of like what the Hunter Pence trade was there, too. That was a little bit of a bigger trade. Pence is a bit of a better player. And they ended up getting, you know, a franchise icon out of it, which I don't know if that was the intention when they acquired him. But I think then there's another uh, more aggressive way you can look at that here, and that is what if the Angels really start to fall off in the next two months, Joe Shasky? What do you do if they're falling off, but Shohei Otani is tearing things up? Would you be willing to, with the way that Luis Matos is playing, the way Marco Luciano is playing, the way Von Brown is getting better, Carson Wisenhunt, would you be interested in maybe packaging guys up like that and trying to make me get a two-month head start on Shohei Otani? I struggle with the uh, the Otani thing because you have to know on the front end that he's going to sign with you, right? Yeah. I mean, it's easy to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been waiting and we've been so patient with our 401k for so long <laughs> when it comes to these prospects. I don't want to just like pull it all out to go buy a Ferrari and then wrap it right around the, you know, on, on the second block out of the yeah. gates. Like it, it, you have to know Otani's going to stay here, like to me. So like that's something that I, I can't know on the front end, me personally. The organization can through back channels. It's tantalizing. It's, it's tantalizing. It would be a risk. It would. Seth's thing. It would. It would be a huge risk to do that because yes. on the one hand, you know, let's say it's you know the, with the way these the, the, the Giants prospects are playing right now, they have a lot more capital than they had year. So they could probably swing a major trade. Let's say if your your top three are you know Luciano, Matos, and Harrison. Those are your your golden three prospects right now. The way they're playing right now, you could probably include two of them in a trade and then still keep the third. So maybe it's Matos, Luciano, and others, and you hold on to Kyle Harrison, and then you're able to bring Shohei Otani in. So you're not totally mortgaging a ton of the future there. But the downside is, yeah, if he does not resign, you, yeah, you, you torpedoed your farm system for two months of, you know, a first round playoff exit. Um, so I think then the other, for me personally, I, I would maybe not quite want to jump into the Otani sweepstakes yet. Um, I would like to have my cake and eat it too. I would like to have my farm system. Exactly. Maybe bring that farm system up towards the end of the year. You know, let's get Kyle Harrison up there. Let's get Luis Matos in there. Let's just let these guys get up here and just play. Just go out, have fun, do whatever you need to do in the last two months of the season. Make this team look as attractive as possible. So that way when Otani hits that free agent market, he's looking at the Giants and thinking, well, they have a solid roster now, but you know what? Those guys they called up at the end of the year, they look good. I, they, I might, yeah. I might be interested in playing with them. And so yeah. that you're, you're you, a you little sampler. You yeah, you don't get that two month head start to talk to him, but yeah. you still have you have ways to lure him in. And so mm. I don't think, yeah, it will be interesting to see what Farhan means when he when he means by aggressive. I mean, obviously the team still has to play, you know, 
to a level where you're willing to make trades to improve the roster. But the fact that he's feeling aggressive, I think, is a good sign. But I do think, yeah, there, there might be a little bit of over-aggression risk that the Giants might need to worry about there. Yeah, there's no doubt. And look, everything seems to be going well. Like, they're, they're one game under 500, and I'm the happiest I've been as a Giants fan in a long, long time. Like, honestly, Sam. And mm-hmm. so I do feel like they're in a really good spot right now, and I think the worst thing that they could do is kind of over-mortgage, you know, whatever we hope all of these guys are down the line for the right now. Like, we're so close on on turning the corner. I feel like they've turned the corner, even though the roster does still feel old because you're seeing Bailey, you're seeing uh, Schmidt play right now. But, man, I, I just like where we're at. I don't see this huge necessity to swing a big deal. Yeah. Like, I feel like you're going to be a destination spot this year and next year. Like, I, I just do. Yeah, and I think it kind of goes like what we said. It's like the feel around this team is different this year in part because of the youth. You know, like, the, you know, the Giants lose two of three of the Orioles this weekend. I thought they played two very competitive games Me before too. they kind of fell apart today. But you know what? Like, last year, losing two of three to an Orioles team like this, I feel like we'd be kicking ourselves. We'd be grumbling yes. about all the, all the things that are wrong with this team. But after this weekend, it's like, you know what? They struggled against the Orioles this weekend. Orioles are a good team. But – you saw a lot of positive stuff. Casey Schmidt getting that double in the, in the, yep. in the bottom of the ninth inning on, on Friday night, you know, showing that he's still trying to get there and, and fire the crowd up. He's standing on second base, getting the, the crowd into it as a rookie. Um, you know, Patrick Bailey, you're really seeing it with the defense. Like, you're, you're able to take away these positive, these individual positives that kind of offset, you know, overall negatives. And that's just something you didn't have last year. And that, you know, I think it makes it easier to say, yes, we want to be aggressive. Whereas last year... You know, you and I were talking about last year. We said, you know, we don't want the same spiel anymore. We don't want the same thing anymore. This year, you know what? I might be okay with kind of doing the same spiel this year because when you have that that influx of youth that you've seen with this roster, you're allowed to kind of take that stance. Yeah, I, I just I keep coming back to if you're gonna trade something away, it needs to be from a position of power. That's number one. So like they have a lot of outfielders. So is it Slater? Is it, you know what I mean? Slater and something lesser from your farm that's not as highly coveted. Um, packaging multiple things to get me a bullpen arm under team control or a third or fourth, fifth starter. I know they've yeah, got Harrison in the wings. They need another starter. Yeah, an extra starter or yeah, another outfielder or maybe even something more solid at DH because just the more and more I see it, the the platoon of Jock, Jock Peterson and Wilmer Flores at DH, it's 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 doable, but I do think at some point the Giants need to just say, you know what, we need to commit to a full-time DH. I, like I what the agree. Dodgers have with JD Martinez. You just get that guy, that slow lumbering dude who's really only good for hitting, you know, in that DH spot. And just kind of commit to it because when you have these, you know, with with, with Jock and Wilmer, you kind of have two guys who they can hit, sure. Jock can't play the field. Wilmer is not a plus defender. He is absolutely a negative defender. And I feel if you can kind of get a way to get a more permanent DH type in there, that gives you an extra fielder to then play with. So you can kind of give yourself a little bit more depth, you know, in that infield. Because right now, yeah, they're looking really good in the outfield. Um, The Yaz Slater center field platoon working i think for the most part mm-hmm. um but yeah there's there's small because there's there's not a whole lot of room to operate on this roster right now with this crunch they have coming up but there are definitely ways that yeah trade from position power don't give up too much make a move that helps you this year but i think make a move that helps you this year but more so to help you long next term year. Yes. yes we've waited so long 
don't pull out money now and buy something recklessly, I guess is the way I would approach it because I just think they're in a really good spot, man. Look at the division. Like Arizona's mm-hmm. not going away. This is not about this year, right? The Padres have overspent. And I feel like they're kind of stuck because they've got the Soto thing coming up and they aren't even getting paid from their TV partners. The Dodgers have some flexibility. The Giants still need to be fiscally responsible and they need to be even more responsible with this entire farm that they've cultivated that we're now starting to see the branches flourish. Uh, you are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman and Joe Shasky be coming at you every week with the best Giants content out there. Make sure you're listening, reviewing, liking, subscribing, sharing. Tell all your friends because we're always going to be coming at you with Giant stuff every week until the end of the season and then a little bit in the offseason. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. We do have some kind of unfortunate news that I think we need to address now on this podcast that broke literally minutes before we, we hopped on and started recording. And that was uh, former Giants manager Roger Craig at the age of 93 years old, uh, unfortunately passed away. The Giants announced today, Craig, uh, the, the hum baby manager, he was the manager of the 89 Giants in that World Series. And uh, I, he, he was more, Roger Craig was more before my time. Uh, I think actually his last year, his, his tenure ended months before I was born. Shasky, though, that was that was your childhood manager, though. So I want to kind of turn this over to you here. Roger Craig, what kind of emotions does does that evoke from you? You know, when I was a young, young, young kid, I mean, I was like six, seven, eight years old. That was my guy. And that was when I first started collecting cards and going to games with my dad, uh, specifically Wednesday afternoon games, sitting in the family pavilion um, and you know, I'll never forget. I started collecting Mother's Day cards. I went on a Mother's Day and I got the the Mother's Day cards. I have the booklet right here and I tweeted it out for everybody. And Roger Craig was that guy. And they had the manager's photo and it was all the different coaches. All six of them would, would sit in a little card and they'd stand there on Candlesticks Field. And I had the whole entire set of the entire team. And there was Roger Craig. And the games weren't televised as much as they were now. And so I literally stared at him in that card all day long. And he would wear like a satin plasticky windbreaker coat underneath the jersey, sometimes over the jersey. And uh, he was hum baby. And the Giants attitude, you know, with the black eye black with Will Clark and Robbie Thompson. But for me, it was my guy, Kevin Mitchell. You know, I fell in love with Kevin Mitchell and he fell in love with hum baby Roger Craig. And so that was my guy. Now, Dusty was probably more influential to me in terms of my baseball acumen and mind because I started to be older, play a lot more. Uh, the team was is significantly better long term and the games were more televised. And so they're easily more consumable. 
But like I started off with Hum Baby, Roger Craig. And so I have nothing but warm feelings. And he always felt like a grandfather figure to me, like in a familial sense of watching sports. And so this is really sad. I mean, he lived a great long life. He's famous for the splitter. <laughs> so, you know, guys like John Burkett, uh, guys like Mike Kruko, Don Robinson, Steve Bedrosian, like all these OGs, Jeff Brantley, they all learned the splitter from Roger Craig. And it was kind of like, you know, Gosman talked about it. Kevin Gosman more recently, like, hey, the splitter gave me new life in baseball. And that's what Roger Craig did for a lot of guys. And yeah. so <laughs> it's not just the passing of the human being who I'm sure had an unbelievable touch with all the different guys that he coached. But for me, it's like what he signifies, which is the 80s and then the early 90s as the team was about to leave. And he was the dude who got me kind of stuck in love with baseball from the very, very, very beginning. Yeah. I mean, obviously, again, you know, Craig dated, predated most of my time, but the impact, I feel like it, it was very much there. Like his impact was very much felt within the Giants, even after he had left the organization. Obviously, there's the hum baby uh, moniker, but. I remember the, the the Mike Kruko has a term that he likes to use a lot, the term red ass. Um, mm. You know, he taught to talk about that. I think it was in the uh, that um, the the 30 for 30 that talked about the 89 World Series in the earthquake. You know, that team was full of red asses. And I feel like Roger Craig, he's kind of he kind of helped set that that kind of badass, no nonsense tone mm. that Giants baseball really had for a long time that it was just. A, a, an attitude and a culture that like, you know what, we're here to show up and be gamers. You know, we're here to show up. We're going to play the game harder. We're going to play the game. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't care about the money. You know, we're just here to win. And, you know, he really kind of set that attitude. It was a really cool attitude that the giants had. And furthermore, how his, his impact was felt for me personally, as a kid growing up, I went to all those junior giants camps. Oh yeah. Uh, growing up, uh, Rob Andrews, who was played on those '80s teams, he was kind of the the, the guy who led those camps. But the, the the um the 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 big thing was every day there was be that the hum baby of the day, the big hum baby award. You know, everyone was you know jazzed if you got the hum baby award, and that all came from Roger Craig. You know, it just this attitude of just it was almost like a love of the game attitude. You know, yes. like it's not about he the was money. a lifer, Sam. Game. He was a lifer, and he really in the was. same way. This, and I don't mean to cut you off, but. I get the same qualities, not all of them, but a lot of the same qualities of Bruce Bochy from Roger yeah. Craig. Yeah, just that that old fashioned, like, you know what? It's forget all the nonsense, forget all the pizzazz, yep. the glit. It's we're here to play ball and we're here to yep. win. And that's when I think of Roger Craig, like that's the attitude I feel like he instilled in this organization. Yeah. And you still see it here today throughout the ballpark, throughout this fan base. And that's that's a true legacy there. When the culture you set 30 years ago is still permeating throughout the organization. Great call. Um, Great call. Rest yeah. in peace. Rest in peace to Roger Craig. And thank you for being one of the many people that helped me fall in love with Giants baseball. Exactly. So um, turning our attention now back to this year's team. Uh, Shask, I've always felt when it comes to baseball season, after the first two months, that's where really everything gets to gets settled in. You know, like sometimes in April, see a team get off to a hot start like the Pirates and you're like, oh, wow, the Pirates might be good this year. And then they turn back into the Pirates or, you know, there's always that, you know, one week stretch in April where the Rockies are in first place. And you think, oh, maybe this is the year they figure it out. Or there's a team that gets off to a slow start and then they kind of bounce back. Once June starts, though, I feel like what the standings look like, that's probably barring a few changes here or there, what the standings are going to look like the rest of the year. So what we've seen from the Giants this year, near kind of a 500 team, a bit of a streaky team, but kind of a broad question here, but we're going into game 60. What do we feel like we know about the Giants for sure right now? They're fun. 
and I didn't think they were going to be fun this year. Like I'm having a lot of fun. Camilo Duvall looked unstoppable the other day in the ninth inning. He had a four nothing lead, and I get it. He went up against Rushman, Rushman, however you pronounce it, and mm-hmm. Rushman was like choking up, fighting for his life just to foul a ball off. And I'm saying to myself, "Wow." Camilo Duvall has figured out command. I mean, he was the NL pitcher of the month in May, and I just, he's fun. He's fun. And then let's go, oh, oh, yeah. Logan Webb. He's fun. I look at Casey Schmidt. He's fun. I'm watching a young kid in Patrick Bailey, who I feel like is, he's like surprising me every single day. He's doing a little thing here and there that I didn't think he had in the bag this early. And he's a lot of fun. JD Davis is a lot of fun. When Estrada comes back, he'll be a lot of fun. I'm having fun with the 2023 Giants, and I thought it was going to be grinding my teeth all year. I think that is that might be actually a really good takeaway. Actually, um, this is a fun team. It's like we were saying, like it makes it easier to shrug off the, str- the, the the bad days because you're still having so much fun right now. Where it's last year, it's just it's a grind with all these guys who are just we're not going to be seeing around and. Now it's, yeah, when it's guys who you know are going to be around a lot longer, it's easier to get settled in and, and get kind of accustomed to this team. Now, my thing, my kind of looking at it is coming into this season, pitching was supposed to be the strength of the team. It was a little bit wobbly in April, but I do feel like now, yeah, the pitching is once again, I think, the strength of this team right now. They have a pretty solid one, two, three right now between Webb, Cobb, and Anthony DiScalfani, who, again, kind of a rough day for him against the Orioles. It's been kind of a rough last few weeks for him so maybe it's kind of more of a one-two punch than it is a, a one-two-three uh Logan Webb though the way he's turned his season around after April Shasky he is quietly snuck in to the elite tier of the National League here are kind of his his rankings within the National League right now uh he's seventh in ERA with a 285 ERA sixth in strikeouts with 82 third in whip with a 104 uh, 12th in batting average against with a 230. That's 196 since the start of May, which is one of the best in baseball. Most of which kind of surprised me though. He's first in inning p- innings pitched in the National League with 79 right wow. now. I never really thought of Logan wow. Webb as like he can eat up innings, wow. but not at a league leading rate. I mean, Chassis, he is. I mean, the All Star you know, ballot was just announced this last week. Obviously, it's different for pitchers. I think All Star game consideration is very much on the table for Logan Webb. He could be sneaking into some awards votings with the way he's been pitching right now. Again, four months left to go. You know, knock on wood that it still holds. Do but you think Logan Webb? Yeah. Let me let me ask you because I was very surprised when you read that off. Do you think the fact that he's not a high, high, high velo max effort type of a pitcher is in part why he can go longer in games than others and be more durable? Well, I do think, yeah, because when obviously he is a ground ball pitcher first, which yes. actually I think what's very surprising is the fact that he's sixth in strikeouts. Like he's never really been a super strikeout pitcher. I mean, we're used uh, to, you know, years ago, we were remembering, you know, Tim Lincecum, who, you know, rack up, yeah. you know, 10 strikeouts there or nothing. You know, there are nights where, you know, Madison Bumgarner striking guys so out so often that you feel bad for the other team. Like it just, you have no hope there. Um, but when you're throwing, when you're a strikeout pitcher, obviously you're throwing more pitches. When you're throwing more pitches, it's obviously harder to go deeper into games. The fact that Logan Webb, I think, is so good at inducing those ground balls, he can get those quick innings, and that allows him to really kind of chew up innings a lot faster. You know, it's fun to watch guys strike out, but Logan Webb, there's just he's kind of got a very good balance of he's he's still that great that dominant ground ball pitcher that you know has has that got him the contract that he has this year. Throwing in the strikeouts, though, on top of that, you're really kind of seeing an, an, an evolution almost in a sense in Logan Webb's game where he can be that strikeout guy 
even if he might not be a strikeout oh. dominant guy. You know what's the best part is that he struggled early on, and you heard, oh, I don't know, the contract. Haven't heard anything since. No. And I, I want to go to war with someone like like Logan Webb for the rest of uh, his Giants career. I mean, he's the kind of guy who's going to give you everything he's got. I, I love him. I, I just – people could try to poke holes in his game and, and show me the flaw. Show me the flaw right now in this it's guy's tough game. right now. No, it's really just not there. He's been feeling all of his pitches right now. He's keeping the ball in the ballpark. Exactly. I do think that it was a rough April for this team. They had a lot of travel. But he and, lost a lot of close games. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think, and, and Gabe Kapler kind of talked about this before the game today, just kind of like the streakiness of this team. Um, I do think that, yeah, when you have that kind of road trips that they had early on in April, that kind of set them back yes. behind the eight ball a little bit. You're really starting to see this team, though, like they're finally starting to come together. And I think, you know, it's been two months. I think we got an idea of what this team's capable of. And now in these next few weeks, we're going to really kind of see, you know, we're going to see this team at full strength probably mm. in this next week. And we're going to really get a, a good sense. We know what these guys can do, but now we're going to see what they can do together. I think you're going to have, you know, much more dynamic lineups now. Like for instance, you got a very good infield of JD Davis, Casey Schmidt, Tyro shot and Lamont Wade jr. That is a very good, you not just say Crawford. That's a very good. I'll get to him in a second. That is a very good, not just offensive infield. That's a very good defensive infield yes. too. Agreed. JD Davis watching him just, from when he goes to warmups and then he's making the same plays in during the game that he's making in warmups, you're just amazed at just the steps he's taken yes. forward as a defensive third base. How about his BP? His BP is pretty incredible. Isn't oh, it? he was. He, oh, I, I mean, they're, they're both incredibly fun to watch. His BP and his defense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Friday night he's just hitting tanks over the center yeah. field wall. He's a lot of fun. I mean, Chasky, JD Davis. Let, let's get a little JD Davis love here. I mean, you look around at the other third baseman in the National League. Max Muncy is kind of the standard right now. I ugh, I hate saying that because I despise Max Muncy. But J.D. Davis, he's going to start getting some all-star consideration yes. at the hot corner. I mean, because yes. it's, it's Muncy, Arenado, Austin Riley might get some looks. But Davis, he's up there defensively and offensively with the best of them. And I think that's one thing we know for sure. Giants, they're kind of set at the hot corner there. For Brandon Crawford, yeah, he's probably going to be a bench guy, I think, for the time being right now because – you know, the, the bat isn't what it used to be. The glove isn't what it used to be. And it's, yeah, he's he's not one of the four best options to put uh, on on defense in the infield right now. And I think that's that's just kind of a fact that, that we know right now. Um, one last thing before we kind of get into it, because we, we have our interview with Casey Schmidt coming up next. Uh, the Giants bullpen. You know, oh. remember a couple weeks ago, Shasky, we tried to do a power ranking of the Giants bullpen and you were kind of unsure kind of who to rank where. Shasky, in the month of May, here are some of their numbers. A 2.45 ERA, second only behind the Padres. This is since May 1st. Uh, they have a 48% ground ball rate, second in baseball behind the Marlins. They're stranding just under 79% of their runners, second behind the Padres. They have the second best walks per nine innings, again, behind the Padres. Padres got a pretty good bullpen. Um, 114 innings pitched, fifth most since May 1st. Well, oh, that might seem like a lot. The Dodgers, though, they're third at 119 innings out of their bullpen. And my theory is if you're putting up numbers that are similar to what the Dodgers are doing, you're probably okay because the Dodgers usually put up good numbers. So I'll roll with that. Shasky, the Giants bullpen is pretty freaking good right now. And I think this is kind of – let me knock on some more wood here. But it starts with Camilo Duvall for me. I mean, mm -hmm. seeing Camilo Duvall just shut down the ninth inning, I think that that has taken so much pressure off of everyone else. And he can also get a four-out save, right? That's yeah. something that I've seen him do a couple of times coming in the eighth inning. I think he's the start. And then Bolt Rogers brothers are pitching better. I, really I think are. that's a big boon too. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, totally. The, the, 
I mean, Tyler Rogers, you know me, I've always been a big fan of Tyler Rogers. The way he's able to come in, just get that ground ball right away. He's dialed in. Taylor Rogers, he seems to have figured out what was kind of ailing him early on in the season, throwing the glove away, ended up being the right move. Who would have thought we'd be saying that? Um, You know who really impressed me out of the bullpen lately, though, is uh, Ryan Walker. Um, Came up a couple weeks ago. Out of nowhere. He's a quiet guy. He doesn't say much. Um, but he's got a very funky delivery. The yeah. way he, he turns it, he's, his back's turned to the batter when he starts. He's got a very weird arm angle. He's a very hard, just he's very hard for hitters to, to, to yeah. hit off of. And yeah. he's become quietly well, a huge asset in this bullpen. And as you got this, you know, bullpen crunch they're about to kind of have in the next couple of weeks here, Walker, he has to stay in the bullpen. Like, well, he is Sam, he is absolutely I, a, a home here. I think that their multiplicity is their biggest strength right now, meaning the diversity of arms and the arm angles yeah. that they throw at you. And then the different pitch types and pitch speeds. Like that's one thing I got to give Farhan a lot of credit. He has visualized and reimagined this bullpen a couple of times now in the four or five years that he's been running things. And he finds arms. I got to yeah. give it to him. He's found some funky arms guys that I didn't think highly of when I first saw them. And then they kind of, they start to produce and then they come around, and then you're like, you know what? Not bad. It's the, the, the yeah, you're true. I mean, when you have so many different angles and, and so many different arm slots you're going to be throwing at hitters, it, it does mean the Giants are all about playing matchups, but they're all about creating as many mismatches and as many headaches for the other team as possible. And yeah, with this bullpen, they have like no two guys here to throw the same way. And that's going to be incredibly difficult if you're the other team trying to get locked in on these guys because it's, it's a different look every inning, and so that that's going to benefit the Giants. So you are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman here with Joe Shasky. We come at you every week with all the best Giants content we can think of. Uh, like, review, rate, subscribe, share, anything that you do with the podcast. Let's get this thing around because we need more people listening to this podcast because more people need Giants baseball in their lives. That's just what our belief is here on the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So before we get going here, uh, I did have a chance on Friday night to catch up with uh, Giants rookie third baseman Casey Schmidt. Got about 10 minutes, kind of talk about just kind of his time here in the big league so far. So we're going to throw to that and then uh, we are going to get out of here. So without further ado, here is Casey Schmidt. Sam Lubman here on the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. I'm here with Giants third baseman Casey Schmidt here on this lovely Friday evening. Casey, a uh, alumni of Eastlake High School out of Chula Vista, San Diego native. Casey, what have these first few weeks in the big leagues been like for you? And have you kind of had that like, holy smokes, I'm here moment yet? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been crazy. I mean, just kind of coming to the ballpark every day and just kind of being around everyone. I'm, I'm really just, I've been taking, take every moment in and just, I'm just enjoying all of it. It's just so much fun. So you've really gotten off to a towards start here. Your name's getting mentioned with guys like Willie McCovey in terms of just what you guys were doing in, you know, the first few weeks of your, of your career. What has this, what, what is that ride like when you're hearing your name mentioned with guys like Willie McCovey, what does that mean to you? Yeah. I mean, anytime you're mentioned, you know, in the same sentence as, as someone like that, you know, it's, it's just amazing. It's just mind blowing. And, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to just kind of come out and have fun every single day and just letting everything else take care of itself. And, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a crazy ride. I'm, I'm just really enjoying it. 
Yeah, I know he's really seen to me. Now, you always hear guys talk about how you don't want to get too high or too low and with, with things like this. I look at you, though. You always seem to have just such a chill demeanor. I see I go into the clubhouse. You've got your feet kicked up in the <laughs> locker room. You always got this smile on. I mean, like, how do you how do you keep from getting too high, too low? How do you keep so chill all the time? Just right in the middle. Um, like you said, you know, baseball is a game of failure. It's a, it's a really tough game. And, you know, for me, I just try to be as relaxed as I can as possible, and I try to be the same person every single day, you know, whether I'm 4 for 4 or 0 for 4. And, you know, I, I think just kind of carrying myself like that has kind of helped me a lot. So you got a lot of other young guys on this team. Obviously, there's you, there's Bailey, Ryan Walker, Wisely, Sable. Just when you have, like, so many guys kind of in their first year in the clubhouse, like, what kind of a vibe does that get? Does that make it more fun? Time to talk about just kind of going on this adventure with so many other first-year players here on this team. Those guys, you know, I've, I've come up to the minors with them, and you know, I've, played, I've played some really good with them, and, you know, we're all here right now, and it's 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 a special moment just to kind of look over and you know see them, and then see all see all the older guys too, and other guys. It's just it's it's been it's been amazing. So I know you did some pitching in college before switching over to infield. At what point did you make that decision to go from infield full time? Uh, it was right after the draft. Uh, I think I was just kind of just drafted as a as a third baseman, and you know I was pretty I was pretty happy with uh, with that because you know I I always knew that I had to give up one, and you know for me I feel like. I wanted I wanted to I wanted pitching to be the one that I that I give up just because I li- I like hitting and I like playing defense. Well, yeah. So also you, you uh, when you were drafted, you were a uh, third base, I believe, and that's when they tried to move you to shortstop uh, in the minors. Uh, what was like kind of learning that new uh, position, almost kind of on the fly? Was it difficult? Was it easy for you? Kind of talk about what that transition was like. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. A lot of learning has gone on. Um, I wasn't I played shortstop until I was about 12, so just kind of going back and re- re- relearning the position and you know being over there and also learning how to play second base and. And just, I'm just really enjoying just kind of learning the different positions. You miss pitching at all? No. <laughs> so you haven't asked Kapler if you can throw an inning yet? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Between the player that, so from when you were drafted out of college compared to where you're at now, just in terms of how you've grown as a player, what do you think you've, you've improved the most on in your game overall since you've been drafted? Um, I feel like just just kind of different parts of my game, the hitting, fielding, um, you know, the mental side as well. Um, you know, I just I try to get better every single day and just try to try to come out and help the team win any way possible. Yeah, so I guess if you had to put your you know some self-reflection, what's something that maybe right now you're you're working on improving the most right now? Um, for me, it's it's kind of everything. It's it's the hitting, it's the fielding, it's you know base running, the mental side. I'm just making sure that I'm you know keeping up with those things trying to get better every single day with them. So you have a lot of other, you know, great veteran guys on this team. Uh, I saw you throw with J.D. Davis for the game. You got it for today. Uh, get to work with Brandon Crawford. Having guys like that to kind of be able to pick their brain, what's kind of some of the things you've learned about them so far in your time here at this team? Yeah, I mean, they've been awesome. Um, just kind of just being around them, you know. I mean, those, those guys are superstars. And, you know, I try to take every information, every little piece of information I can from them. And, you know, they've, they've, been, they've been amazing. And I'm, I'm just, I really enjoy just being around, you know, everyone. Sam Lumman here with uh, Casey Schmidt on the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Now, I saw you and J.D. Uh, warming up earlier today. Who was throwing harder today, you or him? <laughs> he, was, he was. He was firing it today. You had a, a rare home off day yesterday. What does Casey Schmidt like to do when he has a home off day? Yeah, uh, just kind of relaxed. Yesterday, I, was, I ended up going uh, to Alcatraz, so I was able to to go over there and see that. I really, I always really wanted to. Yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, I've always really wanted to go out there and see it. Um, but, yeah, that, it was super cool just to kind of go over there and walk on the island and just be over there. So yeah, it was, uh, it was really cool. Yeah, is that something you've always been wanting to do, other, other kind of sightseeing? So yeah, when it comes to like, exploring around San Francisco, how much have you done so far? I know you've only been here for a few weeks, but how much getting around have you done? Uh, not too much, because you know, we, got, we got games and then 
the night night games and I'm going I'm going to bed getting ready for the next day but yeah, not not too much but I, yesterday I was able to, to go explore a little bit yeah. so when you when you do try to get out and explore like at Alcatraz there are there other things like what do you what do you kind of want to find you go out into the city are you a museum guy a shop guy you kind of look for other fun things are you a food guy what, what what would you go look for out in the city I mean a little bit a little bit of everything I went to I went to aquarium uh, last time I was out here uh, for like a, a camp so that, that was really cool I'm, I'm into like going to like museums and like like aquariums and the kind of stuff like that. Yeah, well, we've got to get out to Cal, Cal Academy of Sciences out in uh, near Golden Gate Park or the De Young. Those are great museums to get to. Yeah, so you ever get out to those? I'll definitely take a trip to go go see one of those. Remember, we were talking a couple weeks ago. You said you're a big Star Wars guy. There's a lot of Star Wars guys in this clubhouse. Yeah. It seems like who, who are your favorite Star Wars characters? Ooh, all time. Uh, I'm gonna go Anakin Skywalker. Um, a lot of Anakin fans on this team. Yeah, JD too is all the same guy. Anakin Skywalker's cool. Uh, Anakin Skywalker is one of them. Uh, I really like the Mandalorian. or like Boba Fett. Uh, I really like Ahsoka. Obi-Wan, obviously. Um, when you were kind of growing up collecting stuff, were you a Lego guy, video game guy? Did you just get the action figures, a combination of the three? Was there a, a thing that you got that was like, you know, made your childhood when you got it? It was more like baseball related kind of stuff. So if I got like a new glove, like some new wiffle balls, new bat, stuff like that. Yeah. I was, that, was, that, that was always super, super cool. And super see, cool. so you were the one you had like all the gloves and baseballs kind of lying around the house? Yeah, I definitely had a couple of gloves lying around the house. And uh, I'd play, I used to always play a wiffle ball outside with my neighbors. So, you know, we'd, we'd just, we'd go out there and we'd play, we'd play with them. Sour Patch Kids, why were they the secret to getting Mitch Hanniger hot? I don't know. It was, I think it, it just happened. I mean, I had, I had a, I was, I was I was eating them out of a cup, and then I was just like messing around. I gave him one, he ate it, and then you know, he had that day, and he was raking. Was that do you do the same color every day? A different color? Does the color matter? Um, I've been giving them the the blue ones for the past couple past couple weeks. So when the blue ones stop working, do you move on to a different one? Yeah, we'll, we'll move we'll move on. Whatever we got to do. What about Sour Patch Kids versus like the sour watermelons? Is there a difference there? Uh, I mean, the Sour Patch Kids are different flavors, so you know, always got to stick with it with the, just the most. That's true. So aside from aside from Sour Patch Kids, what are the other go-to candies that you enjoy, or is it just mm. the Sour Patch? Yeah, it's it's just the Sour Patch. I try not to, to have too many sweets, but yeah, sour, big, big on Sour Patch. So Sour Patch here's me. I'll I'll be uh, that's that's kind of a good that's kind of a good go-to <laughs> for everybody, right? Yeah. Um, so when you were growing up, who are some of the players that, that you, who are your favorite players as a kid growing up? Who are the players, who's the batting stance you loved imitating when you were a kid? Or when you were pitching, who was the, the pitcher you loved imitating? Um, so funny story, me and my, my neighbor, we would have like a little, like a little draft and we'd draft like all these players, like all the major league players and we'd play ball World Series kind of thing. And we'd go up there and we'd, we'd imitate the stances of the guys that we put on our team. So yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit of everything. I've been able to kind of do different people's stances pretty funny. Who was the most fun stance that you would do? Um, I don't know. At the top, I just enjoy them doing. I do enjoy doing both because I could swing from the left hand, left side too. Yeah. So I, I can't. I can't just pick one. There, there was just so many that I would just. I just had fun doing them. Like I don't know. There was something about them. All right. So since you've been up here, what's been the most fun part about being a big leaguer? Um, I think just kind of being out here, being out with the, like, being out with the, with the team, being you know, around all the fans, and just seeing my family here is off, awesome too. Just yeah, just it's just been, it's been really cool just to to be up here and be, be be playing over here with all these guys. Just living the dream, right? Definitely. All right, a couple more, then I'll get you out of here. So, um, has there ever been a time in your career where you found that like other teams were kind of adjusting to you in the batter's box, so then you kind of had to make an adjustment back? How do you kind of go about making those adjustments? What's that like for you? What's that process like for you? Yeah, I mean. 
baseball is a game of adjustments, and you know, I, I mean, teams are going to adjust, and you know, I just gotta, I just gotta find a way to to go out there and compete and try to help the team win. But yeah, I'm always, I'm always constantly making adjustments, trying to, you know, alter, you know, not to alter too much, but trying to do stuff that I know that's going to help me. You were kind of more like drill focus, video centric. Is the yeah, it's it's usually a mixture of both. All right, that was Casey Schmidt joining me on uh, for the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast, and uh, this has been episode fifty-eight. And uh, Giants, uh, Giants go to Coors Field this week, Shasky. I, I oh, hate great. saying that word; it's the worst. And a uh, little fun fact about uh, the Giants when they go to the Coors Field: it's never really good when the Giants start out a road trip in Coors Field uh, because you're going from sea level to elevation right away. And it's just worse for the pitchers. Shasky, did you know that when game one of a road trip starts in Coors Field since 2000, the Giants are 10 and 17 in those game ones. Conversely, if game one in Coors Field is in the middle of a road trip, they are 19 and 21. And that is just basically the adjustment that pitchers have to go through that quickly is, is, is very brutal. Conversely, it's the, it's, it's the opposite when the Rockies come here, when the Rockies start a road trip in at Oracle park, they never do well. The Giants, you know, the Giants really <laughs> in the winter, so it does go both ways. So remove so them from the division. Exactly. Pretty much as as miserable as as oh, Giants fans are when the Giants go to Denver. That's how miserable Rockies fans are. Well, in general, but when they also come to to have to play here in San Francisco, so it does go both here, here, ways. But I'll leave you with this. I think the Rockies have the most underrated City Connect jerseys of them all. I love the white top with green half and then green bottoms, the green pants. I love the color. Green pants. does kind of work up there. Yeah, I love them. I love all the colored pants. Nobody else does but me. They look like travel teams. I love them. I love everything about it. And Giants fans, shut up about Casey Schmidt swinging too much. All right? Let the kid be a kid. He's a rookie. We've been waiting for a rookie to come up and have a great first month forever. He just did that. Okay, he swings at everything. Guess what? So did Brandon Crawford. So did Matt Williams. So did a lot of young infielders when they first came in. He's been up a month. Everyone pumped the brakes. Let me ask you this. With two strike counts, this is my favorite. He's got to learn how to work the count better. (laughs) Two strike counts. In the history of baseball, going back to 1988 when they started tracking these things, there's one guy with 3,000 plate appearances in their career who hit over 265 in any two-strike count. His name is Tony Gwynn, and he batted 310. Okay? Everybody needs to pump the brakes. It's not that hard. (laughs) No, everybody else sucks with two strikes. That's the fact. So you're supposed to swing early and often. Yes, plate discipline is something he can learn. He can get better at. He'll learn how to work the count. Hitting with two strikes is an art. All right? Mm -hmm. He will get better. I'm just – the discourse around Casey Schmidt swinging so much is really bugging me. Yeah, it's a month in. He's again. It, this is brought up with 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 Kapler a lot. I know Kapler's kind of gotten on me for asking about it. You know, again, he told me I was being too granular for asking about it. Um, they're not worried about Casey Schmidt there, yes. right? They're letting Good. him play his game. Casey Schmidt isn't worried about Casey Schmidt right now. Good. He's gonna go out and play his game. He knows how to adjust. He's a smart hitter. He knows how to he he knows how to work the zone. He's a rookie. You know, let let him go out. Let him do his thing and eventually the results are going to start to come around. I have full faith in Casey Schmidt. As again, like I told him today, like I feel like you and I, we're going to be around here a while talking to each other. So yeah. I'm not stressing over Casey Schmidt. You know what? Let him work through his, his his growing pains. Rookies have growing pains. Even Buster Posey had growing pains in his rookie year. It's going to happen. So just got to ro- roll through it. And that's basically what, that's basically the message that 
I think you need to remember with all these young guys is there's going to be mistakes. You just got to roll through them. So anyway, wrapping it up here, uh, Sam Lubman and uh, Joe, the Butcher Boy Shasky, thank you for tuning in and we will see you on the next one.